20 minutes a day, 365 days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 327 of the Pack a Day Podcast. My name is Andy Herman. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at Scani Sports. And of course, you can always find my writing on Cheesehead TV. Uh, today, I am joined by a very special guest. My guest today has been an intern with NBC Sports, was a freelance writer during the 2018 Winter Olympics. She interned at the Players' Tribune as well as for the New York Islanders and is currently the Packers multimedia reporter for the Green Bay Press-Gazette. My guest today is Olivia Reiner. Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time to join me. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, thanks for taking the time. Sure. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm happy to be here. Happy to chat with you. Always love to talk about what I'm doing, what's going on in the Packers world um, and just what's going on with me, I guess, right now, too. Um, so, yes, I technically it's been about nine months since I moved out here to Green Bay to work for the Press Gazette. Um, I started with them in October now. So that was right after I wrapped up my college career, my my uh, degree at Northwestern. So I did my undergraduate and my graduate degrees at Northwestern University in the Medill School of Journalism. And I finished up at the end of the summer last year, both of those degrees. And right after that, I just about immediately after I interviewed for this position with the Press Gazette and flew out here, had like three days of intense interviews and got the job and shortly afterwards moved out to Green Bay. So yes, I've been out here for nine months. And for most of the that time, I've been covering the Packers. And just recently, I was sort of moved into a position with the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel that allows me to cover all three teams, major uh, professional teams in Wisconsin. So the Brewers and the Bucks as well. So I'm definitely newer to that. I'm new to everything really, but I'm newer to that. And in the off season of the NFL, I'll have a little bit more time to do some stuff with the Bucks and the Brewers, depending on where they are in the season, where they are in, in the playoffs, if they make the playoffs. So that is kind of how I got here. I'm originally from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. Um, like I said, went to school right outside of Chicago for four years a little over four years. Um, yeah, and quite a bunch of different internship experiences, all wonderful, um, all part of the reason why I am here today. So that is a very long story short. No, that's perfect. And I'm not sure who uh, made ultimately made that decision at the Press Gazette, but you've been killing it. And we certainly appreciate your work as Packer fans. And certainly not a uh, bad time uh, to start covering the Bucks or Brewers either with the, <laughs> the seasons they've been putting together recently. Oh, well, thank you. Yes. No, I totally, everything has happened at a great time. Even with the Packers, I mean, getting to cover a coaching change uh, it has been really interesting to me. A lot of my colleagues haven't had to do this, at least for a very long time. So it's been an eye-opening experience all around. Yeah, for, for you, certainly. And, uh, you know, for us starting the, the first 365-day-a-year podcast, certainly uh, decent timing with a coaching change, with two top 25 draft picks, four big free agent signings. There certainly hasn't been a lack to, of, of stories to talk about this offseason, that's for sure. <laughs> Not at all. Lots. The NFL does a very good job of staying relevant. Not just the Packers. The Packers have been relevant in general as well. But the NFL does a very good job of staying relevant year round, even when there are no games being played, which is very impressive. 
Absolutely. So I want to talk a little bit more about your story. I actually saw that you are producing a documentary that's going to be premiering at the 2019 American Documentary Film Festival this year. Uh, Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, so that actually premiered, I believe, in March at that film festival. Yeah, so I did, I made a documentary with two of my classmates at in my master's program at Northwestern. And it was about a Chicago high school basketball star named Kizo Brown went to Simeon in the south side of Chicago, which is where, for example, Jabari Parker went, um, Derek Rose went, uh, a very well-known high school for producing NBA caliber talent. And the story was about this young kid, Kizo Brown, who was sort of following in the footsteps of a lot of those big names that I just mentioned. He was the first freshman starter since Jabari Parker at Simeon. And he kind of had a little bit of a falling out with basketball, had to d- dealt with some mental health issues. So his the story, the documentary is about his story and some of the things that he's had to deal with and sort of his path back to uh, where he wants to be in playing basketball. So he played most recently in the JBA, which was uh, LeVar Ball's basketball league. He played for the team in Chicago. So he's uh, he's grinding it out. He's got quite the interesting story. The film did premiere at the uh, American Documentary Film Festival in Palm Springs back in March. And at the moment, we are trying to sell it somewhere. So we're working <laughs> on that. And that has been quite quite the experience in itself. So it's very cool getting to be a part of the pre-production, the production and the post-production. And I feel like now we're in like post post-production phase of, of this documentary. So I, I loved it. I learned a lot in that class. It was, um, it was good. Cause I come from more of a broadcast uh, perspective, I guess you could say I took a lot of formal broadcast classes in school and I felt like the documentary class that I took was able to help balance that out. And it's something that I use a lot of those skills that I learned in the documentary class now in my job. So I, I'm very happy I took that class. Very happy that the documentary is doing well. And hopefully we sell it somewhere. Well, that's really cool. And it's a, it's a really great story. And I uh, definitely want to check that out. Certainly seems like you are a jack of all trades, which kind of brings me to my next question. Obviously, uh, like I mentioned, you did kind of some work for NBC Sports as an internship. You covered the Winter Olympics. Uh, you also, uh, you know, did some work for the New York Islanders. So you kind of touched base on this a little bit, but how did you ultimately become the, the Packers multimedia reporter uh, for the Press Gazette? Is this something that you always wanted to do with sports journalism or uh, did the right opportunity come up at the right time? And how did you end up in Green Bay, Wisconsin? What? A, yes, I have so many questions as well about all of this. Too. <laughs> it's been quite the journey. Um, I have always loved sports in some capacity. I played sports growing up, as we all do. I did not play sports in college. I was not that good. Um, but I played sports in high school. Um, and it's always been a part of my life. I didn't really get into sports super passionately until I was in high school, I think. I mean, I I grew up, parents took me to sporting events. We went to a lot of Phillies games growing up. Uh, Baseball was big. Basketball, 76ers were big. I honestly didn't go to that many Eagles games as a kid because my dad didn't want to expose me (laughs) to Eagles fans. Um, So I like, I went to maybe, I think I've been to two Eagles games live in person. I've watched plenty on TV growing up, but I I hardly went to a live NFL game as a kid. 
So anyway, that was my my sporting background, but I didn't really fall in love with sports until I started watching hockey when I was in high school. Um, I got really into it, got really into the Blackhawks, and then I was yeah kind of bandwagon. I'll be completely honest on the on the all the Blackhawks success in in 2010, even when they played the Flyers, my my hometown team in in 2010, and then um, became a Flyers fan too and. Now I'm sort of an Islanders fan because I, I worked for the team for a little bit. But yeah, so I, I didn't really know I wanted to do anything in sports until I had started watching hockey when I was in high school. I'd always loved to write. I'd always loved video as well. I took a digital media class in high school and, and got really into video storytelling. And I kind of wanted to marry those things and try broadcast journalism. So that's what I went to school for. I went to school to be a journalist. And I always thought I wanted to do broadcast. And it kind of worked out that way. And I guess in, in a lot of ways, my job is very similar to what a multimedia journalist on air on TV would do. But there are a lot of differences. And I have a little bit more flexibility that I'm sure a lot of the TV people don't necessarily have. So there's some carryover in those skills. But yeah, I always wanted to do sports. I came in the mindset uh, freshman year that I wanted to try sports, try news. And I ultimately really enjoyed a lot of the people in the extracurriculars that I did. I did student TV sports. We I did the sports show that Northwestern has. So I really enjoyed a lot of the the other students that were involved in those things. So it was, uh, yeah, I, I just, I, I really liked it. And the more I did it and the more professional experiences that I had outside of school, the more I knew that this is what I wanted to do with my life. So when I saw that this job had been posted, I actually found it on the USA Today careers page. And I was applying for jobs out of school. And I was looking everywhere. I kept a very open mind. I, I didn't necessarily have to be on TV, TV to be to do what I wanted to do. I wanted to look at digital outlets too. So I kind of applied all over the place. And I saw this job and I read the description. It said that they were looking for someone with an NFL expertise or an expertise with the Packers. And I knew that I didn't have that, but I felt like I had everything else that they were looking for from a skills perspective. So I applied and a few days later, a week later, I think I got an email and had two phone interviews. They liked me enough to fly me out. I had a three day interview Palooza. That was gosh, I think 10 interviews. Wow. Um, And then came back home and and got the job. So yeah, it's uh they they trusted me. I was uh very transparent in the interview process. I was like, "Listen, I do not have uh, a huge background in the NFL and I certainly don't know everything about the Packers, but I'm here to learn and I want to learn and I want to get there. I have the skills that that I you know, I can do the job you're asking me to. It's just, you know, the expertise will take some time." So they were cool with it. And yeah, that's, that's kind of how I ended up here. Well, it's a really cool story. And like I said from earlier, you're definitely killing it. And we're certainly pumped uh, to have you covering the team. And uh, like you, you put out a, a ton of amazing content. And uh, you're certainly already an expert at battling the winds of Lambeau Field and catching <laughs> tripods. So uh, you certainly made your transition well. Thank you. I, I'm very flattered. Yes, I've had to learn the hard way about the wind. 
I, I, I can only imagine. So I want to transition, obviously, this point to uh, some of the things that are going on with the Packers. Obviously, you have a little bit more of an up-close and personal view with the team. Uh, as you mentioned earlier, you started in October 2018 of last year uh, and uh, just kind of want to go over. Obviously, you've kind of gone through this transition along with the team, you know, starting with, you know, kind of mid-season last year and now to the, the new era with Matt LaFleur. What are some of the biggest differences that you've noticed so far from covering the team? And has there been any sort of culture change in any sort of capacity? Yeah, I think to me, the most obvious thing right away, and you don't even have to have eyes to really understand this, if if you're present at practice is now they play music at practice, which was something that when I walked into one of LaFleur's first practices, I was like, oh my gosh, what is, are, are, they, are they leaving this on? Um, <laughs> and I don't know if that's the norm elsewhere in the NFL, but yeah, they never played music for the most part uh, when McCarthy was coach. I vaguely remember them playing some music to sort of simulate crowd noise at points during practice when he was around, but it never stayed on through the entire practice. And now the music is always on indoors or outdoors. It's loud. And I know because I try to avoid the speaker because <laughs> if you stand by it, it's pretty loud. So that that's just something small, I guess. But at the same time, you can tell the players are really into it. There's a lot of dancing that is going on <laughs> at practices. Jamal Williams, especially. Jamal Williams seems to be the ringleader. Uh, he gets Aaron Jones going. I saw the uh, last week a bunch of the uh, receivers were dancing a little. Equinemius St. Brown, Marquez Valdez Scantling dancing going on. I feel like I have some good footage at some point or another. I should make a big compilation video of uh, the dancing that goes on. But yeah, um, I definitely think that should be it. <laughs> we'll be looking for that. Okay, good. The, I'm being held accountable now. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's a small thing, but it's certainly it's something that they all seem to like. And Jamal Williams has talked about it quite a bit as well, is that I, Matt LaFleur's youth is something that has been picked up on by a lot of these these guys and something that they respect. And there's a sense of mutual respect between Lafleur and, and some of the younger guys as well. I think they have a better understanding of each other. And it's just, it's just been interesting to, to hear them talk about uh, just some of the changes. Something else that I wouldn't really know from the past, but uh, some of my colleagues would, is that some of the, the, the minicamp, at least this mandatory minicamp this past week, was close to the public for the first time in a really long time. Yeah. Um, I think there's been more closed things than there has been in the past from my understanding. And I think from, to my understanding, that's just because Matt has said he's not used to having open OTAs at all to the public. Um, that's something, not something that he he's had in the past. So I think when they had the, when he had the option to close mini camp, I guess he took it. I don't know if that'll be happening in the future again, but I know that came as a surprise to some of my colleagues who have been around for a little bit, for much longer than I have, let's just say a lot as almost an entire lifetime. Tom Silverstein has almost has been working for the Milwaukee journal Sentinel covering the Packers um, about as long as I've been alive. So (laughs) if uh, they're great resources for me, but, and they, and they know a lot, so they've been very helpful and they've helped me put, all of this into perspective when I when I notice things when I have questions they're very good at addressing that another difference 
hands-on stuff, I think, in general from Matt LaFleur now that he's been confined to the cart. That's probably going to change. It has changed, but he's uh, he's still rolling up alongside the players at practices, giving them feedback, critiquing them. But it was very like the very first time I remember watching him throw passes to uh, to running back uh, at rookie minicamp or something, and I was just like, "What is happening?" <laughs> it, was, it was just something that I wasn't used to. Again, this is all all my first impressions of some of these things in the NFL. So it's um, it was really cool cool to see that so the hands-on stuff yeah those are just some of the big the big takeaways that i've seen at least at these last couple of weeks with with otas and with minicamp yeah some great observations and i think you know a couple of those so the the music and it just seems to be that there's a little bit more of a laid-back atmosphere and i kind of noted this a couple weeks ago where i'm a little bit hesitant to you know to say that everyone seems more laid-back and easygoing because i think anytime you hire a new head coach there's going to be that optimism you know hope springs eternal at this point of year you've got a healthy aaron Rodgers, you've got those you know two top 25 draft picks the four big free agents like everything should be positive and easygoing at this point but at the same token uh, you know, you can also start seeing some red flags at this point if things aren't going the way that you would expect them to. And I think he's leaned into his youth, which is a good thing. I think he's, you know, related with the players and had the music going and, and made things laid back, which I think is absolutely the right way to go. And it definitely seems to have resonated with the players so far. So even though that I think that, you know, it, it should be going that way at this point, it's, it's a great thing to see that it is going that way. Oh, absolutely. I think right now, like you said, everything is, we're kind of in a honeymoon phase with the team. It's just, For sure. they haven't lost a game yet. So it's, you know, there's not a whole lot to be critical of yet. There's, we can certainly have questions about how things are going to play out with Aaron Rodgers and this new offense and, and a bunch of other things. But at this point, no games have been played. No one's won a game. No one's lost a game. So it's easy to have just sort of this, you know, outlook on the team. I, I completely understand. And uh, yeah, I mean, once uh, things start happening, I, I wonder if things will change at all as we move through the season, but that's something that will remain to be seen. Yeah, I think that that first, you know, bout with adversity will will tell a lot about, uh, you know, how they handle that going forward. But one other note, you know, you mentioned about the open practice. I was uh, definitely a little bit surprised at that as well, just because I couldn't recall a, a mini camp being closed. And I was a little surprised, maybe I just missed it, but I was a little surprised that there wasn't more made out of it. It's, it seemed kind of to just go by the wayside. But for a community and a fan base that is so one in the same with their team, it, it seemed to kind of come and go a little bit without, uh, you know, much ado about it. But like I said, maybe I just missed it. And, uh, you know, overall, there was just two practices. The third one ended up being the, the team activity anyway. So uh, probably not a huge deal, but I, I love that the fact that you noted it. And I, I definitely thought it was noteworthy. No, absolutely. Yeah, I, honestly, I, it wouldn't have occurred to me unless some of my other colleagues had brought it up. And um, yeah, because obviously I, I wouldn't have known from years past, but it's it, it's interesting. It didn't seem like it was a super like uh, intentional trying to shut out the fan base type of thing. I could understand how it would come off that way. At least that's what LaFleur said. Um, He didn't say anything specifically addressing the fan base, but he, he made it seem like it was just something that he wasn't used to having was having these open to the public mini camps or OTAs. So that was my impression of it all. 
No, that that and that definitely makes sense. So you know, you know, obviously we touched base on Matt Lafleur, but they they really changed over a ton of their coaching staff. Has there been any other you know changes within the coaching staff that have kind of stood out to you? Maybe somebody that's been really good with the media, or maybe just somebody that's kind of caught your eye from the coaching staff so far, uh, either on the field or off the field. Yeah. So I mean, obviously the biggest impression of the coaching staff is that they're so young. I mean, I think. The, t- the coaching staff as a whole averages about 39 years old, which is very young. Um, but I think someone that has stood out and I'm sure, I'm sure other people have, have said similar things too is uh, Nathaniel Hackett is just got so much energy to him and has such a, a presence. Even when he addresses the media, I always wonder how much of that is like, like, how much of that carries over to what what we see on the podium, how much of that energy translate to the locker room or to the meeting room um, because he just has such a personality to him. He seems like a really interesting guy and he's just been, he's really engaging. He speaks really fast <laughs> on the podium as someone who's had to transcribe his words. Um, he speaks really quickly. I slow Usually I'll slow down the audio to go back and transcribe things. And when I have the audio as slow as it can possibly be played back, it is still sometimes very hard to keep up with what he's saying. But yes, he's got a lot of energy. In the very beginning, it was really interesting to me to see the contrast between him and Lafleur and how they address the media. Because especially in the beginning, Matt Lafleur was super, seemed really nervous and quiet and a little bit reserved and Nathaniel Hackett had a lot of energy and it was just, it was kind of interesting to see the, just the contrast of the two. But I think Lafleur has gotten a lot more comfortable talking to the media and Hackett is still as energetic as he's always been. So he's someone who I think is really interesting. He's got um, an interesting background an interesting story and it's just, it's been good to hear from him. None of the other Trying to think if any of the other coaches have, have stood out to me a lot. There's not as many like characters, I guess, <laughs> in these press conference in, in the uh, press conferences that they do every so often. There were more, I felt like there were some more interesting characters on Mike McCarthy's coaching staff from a sure. press conference perspective, but definitely Hackett has been the standout to me so far this with this coaching staff. Yeah, Nathaniel Hackett was definitely somebody that uh, I was pretty excited about, especially when I went back and watched some of the the Jacksonville tape. But then, uh, like you said, as you get to know his personality a little bit, you know, a little bit more, and as somebody personally who uh, also has been told to slow down when he's podcasting and talks really fast, and you know, drinks a lot of energy drinks, and then gets even talk, you know, faster when he talks. Uh, I certainly respect that <laughs> out of Nathaniel Hackett as well. So I uh, just love his energy, and like you said, I think that dynamic between Matt Lafleur and Nathaniel Hackett is really unique, and I. I the other thing that you mentioned that I wanted to bring up there too, is it's been really unique to see, you know, Matt LaFleur evolve in such a short period of time, but just, you know, like you said, that nervous energy he had originally and was kind of uh, a little bit awkward in, in a couple of the interviews. And I even went back and there was a, an offensive coordinator, you know, press conference he did with Tennessee because I was, you know, reviewing some of the coaching candidates well before they, you know, even were, uh, you know, announced Matt LaFleur as the head coach. And I was going back and watching some of his press conferences and he had, uh, again, kind of that 
that, uh, you know, whether it's nervousness or whether it was just kind of, a, um, you know, unique speaking tone and pattern, whatever it was, you know, and that, that's evolved already. And he's already become much more comfortable, which is such an incredible evolution in such a short period of time, I feel like. Yeah, it's interesting to think about. I wonder if there is any sort of, oh, I, there is absolutely a bunch of media training, I'm sure, that the Packers put him through. I wonder if he, if there's anyone in particular that has, if he's worked on that or if they've addressed that deliberately. I am sure, knowing the Packers communication staff, they have definitely put him through whatever that process is. But it is kind of interesting to think about. Yeah. I have to po- poke around and ask about that. There you go. Well, we'll look forward to that as well. You have two <laughs> homework assignments already. This is what we do. We bring you on and then we give you homework assignments. I love that. <laughs> um, you know, kind of same question here. Uh, you know, there's obviously a lot of new faces in Green Bay overall, not just the coaching staff, but there's all of the rookies. There's the four big free agents. Anyone else that stood out to you uh, kind of in that regards as, as somebody who might be able to make an impact or is taking on a leadership role? Yeah, Hackett's obviously, like I said, one of them. Um, think of the free agents. I mean, both both of the Smiths, Zedarius and Preston, Preston Smith, are great talkers. I mean, one of the things that stood out to me from that very first press conference that we had with all of the free agent signees was that the Smiths were great. Zedarius especially, I thought, and he's very articulate and um, passionate when he talks, which I think always makes for a good soundbite. Um, yeah, but same with Billy Turner. I thought he ha- he's had some good things to say. Um but yeah, it's it's interesting to see the Smiths out there now that they're sort of the leaders in the outside linebackers room that has gotten a very drastic makeover uh, this offseason. So it, it's interesting to see them already become leaders just inherently because of the the changes that have happened and their their I guess how long they've been playing the game now. They're new to Green Bay, but they're they are absolutely leaders in that locker room already on the defense. Someone else who I think has stood out is Darnell Savage for sure, just because of the responsibility he's been given just in OTAs and minicamp. And I know there's only so much that can be taken away from OTAs and minicamp from in terms of the performance that we see on the field, they're not wearing pads. So there's only so many things that we can really take away, but it is interesting to see who's running with the ones who's running with the twos who's running with the threes and darnell savage has consistently been running with the ones um alongside adrian amos so it's been interesting to see him there it's all pretty much confirmed what we all thought would happen was that is that he would be a starter for the packers um and sure enough it, it certainly seems that way it'll be interesting to see how this whole josh jones situation pans out but for now, I mean, it looks like he's made a good impression on the coaching staff and he's going to be given a pretty big responsibility. So those are a few of the guys that have stuck, stuck out to me uh, the last couple of weeks. Awesome. Well, that's certainly great to hear. You know, you love to see, you know, the free agents come in and, you know, kind of take some of that leadership role. And then, uh, as you mentioned, Darnell Savage is going to have uh, the potential to have a big impact on this defense, just being a, a potential starter from day one. So uh, like you said, you always have to take OTAs with a grain of salt and you can only, you know, only take so much away. And we've had uh, some stories in the past of, you know, in fact, Josh Jones is a, is a really good cautionary tale because he came into rookie minicamp and then minicamp and OTAs and was absolutely the talk 
uh, you know, of those practice sessions. And, you know, we see where Josh Jones is at today. Uh, DJ Williams, a tight end about, you know, seven-ish years ago, uh, was the same sort of story where he came in and uh, tore up, uh, you know, rookie mini camps and OTAs and then, you know, basically disappeared for the rest of his career. But at the same token, very similar to what I was kind of talking about Matt LaFleur before. Uh, yeah, you you want to see some of these things and you don't want to hear any negatives. But the fact that you, you're starting off on the right foot and you're hearing some of these more positive attributes rather than some negative things is, is just getting things started on the right foot. And hopefully that gets things rolling in the right direction. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, listen, I highly doubt any of the players would have anything bad to say at this point. And if they did have anything bad to say, it certainly wouldn't be in the locker room on the record. Uh, but that being said, like what we've heard so far has been very positive, especially about the energy and, and the vibes um, using air quotes uh, around the word vibes, but yes, it's, uh, it, yeah, it's so far, it's all been very, uh, very positive with a lot of the changes. And like you said, it, it doesn't have to, uh, you know, necessarily be, you know, that they're saying anything negative, like you said, that probably was never going to happen. But, you know, Tremont Williams and Devontae Adams are not exactly, you know, hyperbole hype machines. And for both of them to go out of their way uh, to say how well Darnell Savage is doing, I feel speaks, you know, pretty big volumes as well. Yes, definitely. I think I forget what the, the, the questions were. I remember when Adams talked about that last week. Um, it's definitely... Uh, yes, it is. The praise is is uh, definitely significant. Definitely prompted, though. Um, but sure. it's definitely yes I, I, for them to have such glowing uh, remarks to say about a rookie. I mean, a guy who's just coming in and is just getting f- familiar with the defense, a defense that's you know this is their second year together in the system. I think says says a lot. For sure. Absolutely. Uh, and then kind of on, again, on the same realm, is there any returning player from last year to this year who's maybe taking on more of a leadership role that you've seen or anyone that's really kind of made some strides in the off season? Yeah, I think, and this is going to be obvious for sure, but Devonte Adams has, has somehow, his role has even increased from last year. I mean, he was such a dynamic player for the Packers last last season had, had a very impressive season for the team. And that role is even increased now that Randall Cobb is gone from a leadership perspective. And I, I would be pretty comfortable saying that Devontae Adams was a leader in the locker room last year, especially among a lot of those rookie wide receivers that he had to mentor. But now that uh, responsibility has increased even more because of Randall Cobb's absence. So I would definitely say yes, Devontae Adams, and he's acknowledged that he has more of a, of a, a mentoring role, more of a leadership role just because of uh, Randall Cobb being gone. But um, certainly of all of the people to have to bear that load, I think he's definitely capable of it. Um, all, all the receivers seem to look up to him and um, chat with him about, about things that are going on. He seems to be quite a good resource for them. So if I had to pick anyone, I would definitely say Devonte. Yeah. And his trajectory through the NFL so far has just been so fun to watch where he came in, had a, a fairly impressive rookie season, and then had that really brutal sophomore year where he was hurt and banged up. And I think Mike McCarthy said that he was the MVP of training camp and then had had just an awful year. And we found out later it was you know basically all due to injuries and then the bounce back and then really to go from star to, to superstar, I think over the course of this past year. And of course he's leading the, the, 
you know, charity softball game now and taking on that leadership role. And uh, for me personally, when I went back and graded all the games last year, for me, he was the MVP of the team on the field. And to see him even take more of that leadership mantle and to hear Aaron Rodgers want to get him, you know, 200 targets, which I don't think is out of the realm of possibility based off of how often he gets open. It's just been a really fun, uh, fun career to watch. Yeah, no, good for him. More power to him. It was funny to hear Aaron say that for sure. Um, but no, it's definitely, I, I mean, hey, if he's he's the guy that's going to get open and he's certainly a reliable target for Aaron Rodgers, then he should get the ball to him as much as he possibly can. Um, it's, uh, yeah, I think it'll be a really interesting year to see how these receivers, the the competition there pans out. And it'll, uh, I'm excited. I'm excited. It's, it's been an interest. It'll be good to see Geronimo Allison come back. I really didn't get to see him at all last season. I came in around week five of the regular season. So it'll, I, I really haven't seen him very much at all. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I think that receiver group is going to be one of the more fun ones to keep an eye on as uh, training camp and in the preseason rolls along. Uh, but yeah, Geronimo Allison definitely hopefully is a, a big part of that as well. Uh, you know, the the last kind of question that I, I kind of wanted to, to go over with you is, you know, Michael Cohen uh, just left The Athletic and left his his spot on the beat, and he had a really great podcast. Uh, if you haven't had a chance to go listen to it yet, uh, our listeners, make sure to go do that. And he kind of gave some, uh, you know, behind the scenes of what it's like to be on the beat. And I just kind of wanted to pick your brain a little bit as to what that kind of fraternity is like and what it's like being on the road, getting to know the players, and then also getting to know, you know, so many of those colleagues as well. Yeah, well, it's definitely a fraternity, and I think that's a good <laughs> in a lot of ways. Uh, it's male-dominated for sure, as it is in just, I'd say, every market. But it's a lot of fun. Um, I really like the colleagues that I work with. They've been very good to me. Again, I, I'm very young. I graduated college last year. And for me, I'm not only am I working with men, but I'm working with men who are a lot older than me. So I think... It's definitely, it has been great. I like, I have learned so much from them. It's definitely different. It's a different dynamic that I'm used to working with people that, like I said, Tom Silverstein is, has been working for the Journal Sentinel. I know, and I, I don't mean to age him, but I, I really, he's been working for the Journal Sentinel, Sentinel as long as I've been alive, which just goes to show how much experience he has and how much knowledge that he has. So I love talking to these guys. I love learning about the Packers. I have learned so much about football and about the Packers and life just by getting to work with these guys every day, not just my colleagues, but everyone um, on the Packers beat. And there's so many, so many people that cover the Packers. Oh my goodness. It's a small town, but it is truly a a statewide team. And I think, you know, that Andy, I'm sure everyone listening right now knows that. But really, the whole state media shows up for practice and they show up to the games. And it's it's really something to see. I've met a lot of very awesome people, both on the TV side and the print side of things. Um, it's been it's been really great to get to know everyone and to make some new friends. I personally, I, I really enjoy it. It's great to have people, resources to go to, people to ask questions to I've I've enjoyed it a lot. It's we have a lot of fun on the road. We try to get out and explore and do things together when we can. So it's it's a in a lot of ways it is a family. We are competitive with each other. Um but we also work together and we hang out and we're friends. So it's uh it's a good balance, I would say. 
No, that, that makes a ton of sense. And, you know, just kind of a follow-up to that, what, what's the biggest grind? I mean, I'm sure the, the travel and things like that get, get taxing at time, but is there uh, anything else that just becomes kind of a grind as, as you're working on this? Oof. Um, yeah, the travel is huge. I think it was, what was it? It was the Patriots game. It was Boston where we wrapped up whatever we were doing there. And I think we literally went right to the airport. And I th- we had a flight right after that game and we flew right back to to uh to green bay <laughs> so yeah. that that was a grind that can be a grind the travel can certainly be a grind um there there become points in the season especially last season when the packers it became pretty evident that they weren't going to make the playoffs it gets challenging to figure out things to talk about things to write about um after a certain point when you know that there are no playoff hopes for the team so and then eventually you know the the coaching staff that change certainly uh helped with things to talk about in the offseason but it was uh yeah it it can be a grind for sure but there are so many players on the team it's not like basketball where like you're talking about the same guys all the time, at least from my very short lived bucks experience so far, <laughs> it, it can be, you feel like you're talking about the same guys a lot, but with the Packers, I mean, really there's, there's always something going on with somebody. So yeah, it, it's certainly a grind, but it's a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, hopefully this is the the last time uh, in your time in Green Bay that uh, you'll have a team that doesn't have a playoff run in them. So uh, hopefully that won't be a grind for you going forward. We will see about that. We don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Exactly. Exactly. Well, Olivia, thank you so much for taking the time. Before I let you go, uh, what are some things that you have maybe coming out in the future that we could potentially keep an eye on? And what are your kind of plans for this upcoming season? Yeah. So yes, lots of stuff going on in the off season. The Packers are not playing football, but the Press Gazette and the Journal Sentinel are always pumping stuff out. The off season is a great time to do features and some cooler long form things. So I can, I won't tell you specifically about what is on the horizon, but there are definitely things on the horizon, not just from me, but from all of my colleagues. Yeah. So that's going on. Uh, I'm doing more brewer stuff in the NFL off season as well. So if you're a Brewers fan, Make sure you're checking out some of the stuff that I'm doing for the Journal Sentinel. We're doing a Brewers show called Just a Bit Inside featuring our Brewers insiders, Tom Hodricourt and Todd Rosiak. And we will be doing a show before the start of every homestand. So that will also be something you can look out for. Awesome. Well, that's perfect. Thank you so much again for taking the time. Uh, Where can we follow you on social media? Yes, my Twitter is at Reiner Olivia, my last name and then my first name. Um, Facebook, I have a Facebook page now as well. Uh, I'm sure if you look for Olivia Reiner, Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, that'll pop up. I need to get better at posting over there. I do not have a public facing Instagram account. Even just my, my private Instagram is, uh, I haven't posted in a few years, but I'm going to work on bringing that back. So perhaps in the near future, I'll be on Instagram and that my handle for that is Olivia Reiner. But at the moment, Instagram is not, not, not a thing, but for sure, Twitter um, and my Facebook page. All right. Well, we will make sure to go out and follow you and keep an eye out for that. We will keep uh, an eye out for all of your features coming out this season. Uh, As I mentioned, you are absolutely killing it. And I cannot thank you enough for taking the time for joining us today. Oh, thank you. I enjoyed our conversation very much. um, And I appreciate the, the conversation. Absolutely. We'll definitely have to do it again sometime. Uh, For those of you, again, uh, who aren't following Olivia already, make sure to follow her at Reiner Olivia on Twitter. That's R-E-I-N-E-R-O-L-I-V-I-A. 
Uh, for those of you who are going to be catching us tomorrow, make sure to listen in as Jake and Ross will catch you up with all the latest and greatest Packer news. Also want to wish Maggie Lawler, our very own, a happy birthday. I know as you're listening to this on Monday, it'll be a day late, but it is her birthday today as we are recording this. So Maggie, very happy birthday to you. That does it for us today. Huge thanks to Olivia Reiner. Uh, but until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. One kick away from the NFC Championship game from the 41. Left hash mark. 51 yard field goal attempt, snap, placement, kick to the upright, and he is-